0: Good morning, and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is January the 29th. Welcome to those who are are joining us here in person and those who are joining online. Our reading today comes from John 4, verses 1 through 26, Jesus and the Samaritan Woman. If you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, it's 752 and 53. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not John who baptized, but his disciples. I'm sorry, Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman drew near um, to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. "'How can you ask me for a drink? "'For Jews do not associate with Samaritans.'" Jesus answered her, "'If you knew the gift of God "'and who it is that asks for a drink, "'you would have asked him, "'and he would have given you the living water.'" "'Sir,' said the woman, "'you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep.'" Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from itself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, "'Sir, give me some of this water "'so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water.' "'He told her, "'Go back and call your husband and come.' "'I have no husband,' she replied. "'Jesus said to her, "'You are right when you say I have no husband. "'The fact is you have had five husbands, "'and the man you have, um, and the man you have now is not your husband.' What, have, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, said the woman, I could see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, I, a, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for that is the salvation, that is salvation for the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, "I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us." Then Jesus declared, "I who speak to you am He. Blessed is the word." So I did one of those online genetic things, you know, the twenty-three and Me, and I kind of already knew where it was going to come out. See, I, mean, I didn't know hundred percent about my mom's side of the family, the Heisers. But the wangers are about a Pennsylvania Dutch as you can get. I mean, the kind of Pennsylvania Dutch where, you know, my my grandparents were third, fifth, and eighth cousins, Pennsylvania Dutch. You know, where every person in Lancaster County who has had, you know, who's, who's in any way German is probably a cousin of mine if you go back enough generations. You know, in those days, it was all about who you were related to, and that, that, would, that formed your family. You know, if you went to my grandfather's home church, Mechanics Grove Church of the Brother, and back when my grandfather was a young man and was being baptized, almost everyone there was his relative, and they all parented each, other, each other's kids. You know, it doesn't matter if you're an uncle or grandma or second cousin or whatever, if you were an adult, you helped parent the kids. It was all one great big family. It wasn't quite the same for my grandma's side because they lived in town and they attended an in-town church, so it was a little mixed up. My grandfather tried his best to make it like that by having like six kids, but... You know, that was, that was how communities used to always form. It was around families, usually. And I still saw that growing up. You know, I, I, right down the road was a, a family of farmers and you know, the grandma and grandpa lived in the old farmhouse and then their son and daughter each had their own families and they lived on the property and houses they had added. And since I've gone away, I know that the, their kids who I went to school with also live on the farm in their own houses, a little community forming around just being part of this family. Now that changed through history, and, and we, have, we have been a, a group of, especially people here in the US, You know we have pushed out and formed new settlements, new communities that, that weren't always based on family in the same way. I remember, uh, my piano teacher, she lived um, what was essentially one block up from the main street in Alexandria, Pennsylvania. Now Alexandria is a, is a small town, like 700 people in total. Uh, it, it's one of those towns that at one time it was a, a fairly not big town, it was never big, but it was important in the area. It was where the canal boats went through. Uh, it was where the trains later went through. And at, in and anybody who lived in, in our area, the valley, they would all come to Alexandria to sell their goods, to go up or down the, the canal or the railroad. Or later, uh, or actually earlier than that, uh, we had a lot of blast furnaces, coke furnaces. Not blast, but coke furnaces. Uh, so we were always, uh, they were always sending pig iron out. But times changed and those all went away and the little amusement park that people would travel in from the bigger cities to go to closed and the dance halls closed and the restaurants all except one which has spent about as much time open as it has spent closed um, since i lived in the area. It's still there. I think it's open right now. I checked it the other day. It's changed its name finally. Anyway she grew up, or her house was one block from the main street, which is called Main Street. And I never understood going in there why these houses were in such an odd way. Like you went out and, and there was her house and there was her neighbor's house, but the corner itself was an empty lot. And the same was true for the, her, the, the one next to them and the one cattywampus from them. And the last corner had a very new house in it. And I eventually asked, and I found out. Well, yeah, that used to be the main square. That was where everybody came to do market. You know, then and, and the houses, the old houses, had all been there when the markets were there, but have since you know were since closed. And it was kind of sad. It was another thing. You know, these other centers of community, these downtown squares. Uh, there's one in Streetsboro. I found out. Um, and you would never know that it was the old square in Streetsboro because it's now just a major intersection with no buildings on it. If you, if you look at a map of Streetsboro, there's one place where you'll notice there's a major intersection. It's right near the Target where you can see all these roads coming in and out and then there's a little square of roads going around it. That's the old town square, completely gone. It says something about our society, how we've become a people that have become divided, that we become a people that, you know, we, we don't go into town to do things. We go outside of town to go do things. You know, if, if you live, I live in the falls and I'm really close to all the big box stores. So if I want to do anything, I just travel there. But you know, if you live down here in, in Mogador and you want to go, you know, if you want to go pick up a new microwave oven, if you're not going to the, the little stores right over here, you're probably traveling up to Cuyahoga Falls to go to Lowe's or Target or any of those or any of the other places like that. I, I say all of this, reminding us where we were and where we came, is I want to redraw how we think about this story, because it's not one that, that we often think about as being about community. So, this, this town, I think it was sakam or sarkam something like that, in it was a well. This well is an ancient well. This well is a well that was dug out by Jacob, by the man named Israel. It was given to his son Joseph as his property when he would come back, though, of course, Joseph passed away before he came back. You know, this, this is a, a piece of, of property passed down by family. Now, this is a Samaritan village. But Jews travel through, and there may be even Jews who live there, but they wouldn't have talked to each other. They were still connected by this, by this well, by this ancient marker of when they were once one people, when they were all the children of Jacob. Jacob. When they all were Jacob, that was the center of their community. And yet, despite the fact that they have this relationship, this this center, this physical reminder that they are all one people, they still remain separated. They each coming to the well and getting what they need. It reminds me of of maybe when we think about today, you know, while, while we've lost some of these centers of our community... You know, we don't all live in a town where everybody, you know, all of our neighbors are also second, fourth, sixth, and eighth cousins, you know, or, you know, that, um, you know, that, that we don't have a town square anymore where that's where everybody goes for, for festivals and to go to the, the drugstore, which is owned by that neighbor, and the grocery that's owned by that neighbor. You know, we, we've lost some of that, but... Still, somehow, we we have these things that, that we all recognize as being our centers, but we all kind of just take from it as we need, not recognizing we're all one. Like the church. How many Christian denominations are there? I don't know, probably a couple thousand. More every day. We all come back to this single well of God thinking that we are... Are drawing from it for ourselves not recognizing the others who are coming to the well and drawing for themselves not recognizing them as being necessarily the same level as us the same believers in god i want to keep this sermon short so i'm, I'm not going to go too far down a tangent my brain started to do because we have communion today and i don't want you all staying here is there a, is there a football game today Yeah, I got a bunch of nods. I don't know. I don't pay attention. I have till three. Okay, we can stay till two. I think Beckett will be mad at me. Yeah, I'll I'll go into his nap. Anyway. Let Let me do it this way. You all know where Talmage is, I know. You all know Talmadge Circle, which is a great traffic circle, by the way. It's very effective. It's a great traffic circle. Okay, right. but anyway, in the middle of it, of course, is the green. And in the green is the old town hall and the old church. Now, you go anywhere in New England, you find this all over the place. This was very big in New England. You had a down green with a church and the town hall. Those two things were always there. What was the center of the community? The center of the community was the self-governance of the, of the community and the church. That's where everyone gathered, came back to, to be, to remember. We can still do that today, to remember that, that this community around us, whether we, we think of it or not, we're all connected. You know, we all are part of that system, partially in governance. Yeah, you know, we all are paying our taxes and making sure that that we have the services that we need out of our community, whether it be water, electricity, roads, schools, whatnot. But at the heart of how we relate to those who who are around us, even if we don't know them, you know, because, yeah, we aren't all gathering on the city green anymore, but to remember that we shouldn't treat them as if they were people we didn't know. If that makes sense. You know, we, we had remembering that God is the center of our, our closest relationships at the wedding. God is, is at the center of how we learn about the world when he talks to the rabbi. God is the center of our, our space and time of worship. Now we need to remember that God is the center of all of our relationships within our community how we treat those around us. Now, I'm not saying you should treat them like you're your third cousin. I don't know, maybe you can. I don't know how close you all are with your third cousins. I don't know any of my third cousins offhand. I know my second cousins. But to remember, not only are the people who are meeting with you in church the people from your days at school or your time at work, the people who, who are your family, to not only remember that they are the beloved children of God, but all those people around you outside, whether they choose to recognize that or not, the Samaritans did not recognize Israel or Judah and the temple as being authoritative. They thought they were wrong. They, they worshipped at, uh, at Shechem, at, the, at, the, at Mount Gerizim instead. But Jesus says to them, you know, there's going to come a day when it doesn't matter where you worship. It's how you worship. And there'll come a day when all those divisions are erased. And you'll recognize that these people, whether you know them or not, whether they're family relation or not, whether they believe the way you do or not, there'll come a day when those divisions are erased and you'll come together as one. So to keep this short and not to go into Beckett's time to watch the football game, as you go out today, and we'll be doing communion after this, as as we remember that we are part of the body of Christ. Recognize that though others may not see us that way, or we may not necessarily see others that way, that we should treat everyone outside of these walls as if they were brothers or sisters in these walls. That we should not let the barriers that are set up, whether, you know, like the Jews and the Samaritans who very much disliked each other, and for good reason at one point in history. Not to let those divisions remain, but to allow God to overcome and to allow love to overcome all divisions. Thank you. It's the end of the, of the tales of Jesus in the institutions, the first four stories of John about Jesus going up against institutions and recentering them on him and God and the teachings. It is good to end on communion because so often we think that we get to dictate how things in our world work, how we should center our lives and how we should do it. And communion reminds us that we only have this grace that we only have this gift because God reached out to us and showed us that the center of all things is God. As you go out today, may you make God your center in the relationships with those you love most. May you make God the center of your relationships in your businesses and how you learn. May you make God the center of your relationship when you mean to make God the center, that your faith is centered on him and not something else. And may you make God the center of your relationships with all those you meet. And may you draw others to make God the center of this community, this community here in Springfield, Mogador, Akron, the Falls, beyond, the community of Ohio, of the United States, of this world. May you find God at the center of it all. Amen.